Will we be led by Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? What's with this? What's with all this booing? I thought you guys were excited. Finally, a chance for the Libertarian Party to be relevant. Isn't that what we should be striving for? The biggest third party in the United States, of which I was formerly a member. I have to say, this might be their opportunity to finally win it all. Maybe we should get a voice of reason in here. Chris Spangle is who I call whenever I need somebody to bring me back down to earth. He is the founder of We Are Libertarians and the host of The Chris Spangle Show, joining us live right now. Good morning, Chris. How are you, sir? Good morning, Austin Peterson. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Boy, there's something very familiar about all this, all the arguments that are happening right here in 2024 about who should be the Libertarian Party's presidential nominee. At first, I thought it was going to be this Dr. Michael Rechtenwald character from Mises. Then I heard Dave Smith was, he was going to run, but then he declined to run. Now he might run again. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. might want to get on the ballot line. At least it's interesting. What's your take on what's going on, Chris? Feels like an argument between a grassroots guy and maybe a former two-term governor <laughs> has it has that eerie feeling but honestly uh i'll take the two-term new mexican governor over uh robert kennedy jr any day of the week i don't understand like i saw somebody say oh robert kennedy jr is infinitely better than bill weld i'm like what <laughs> the guy that wants 15 dollar minimum wage and wants to fund the world health organization and pushes con- be- debunk conspiracy theories i'd there's so many problems with Robert Kennedy Jr. that it makes Joshua Smith look good. And Joshua and I have had plenty of disagreements going back to 2018. I'd happily vote for Joshua Smith over Robert Kennedy Jr. And I never thought I'd say that in a million years. <laughs> Politics makes strange bedfellows. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. needs to get on the ballot. He's got very strong name ID. He would probably poll fairly well. These are the same arguments that they made in favor of Governor Gary Johnson. But these are the arguments that actually sway people who have the money to go and vote at these kinds of conventions. Typically, Chris, am I wrong? Doesn't RFK Jr. probably stand a pretty good shot for it if he does go for it? I don't know about that because... So for so many years, the charge has been, why are we bringing in Republicans that can't run in their own party? Why are we going back? You know, that even though Justin Amash, I think in many ways, he's like, to me, uh, philosophically, the perfect candidate. Tactically, I don't know that he has it. But, um, you know, uh, the, the argument was not another one, not another Gary Johnson, not another Bob Barr, not another Wayne Allen Root. And the people who are... I, in my opinion, in the party now are are really close to Trump and closet Trump fans, uh, much more than maybe the classical liberal orthodox libertarian party you and I were in. They're bringing in somebody from the left, somebody who has a tremendous amount of leftist points of views and is far down that spectrum compared to any one of those former milquetoast Republicans that they ran against that helped them do the takeover. So... I think it would be hard sell. I think it, I'm not familiar with the makeup of the delegation. I, and I think that's the key thing is who's left, right? So many people like you and I who were active in the 2000s and 2010s because we were activated by Ron Paul are gone, are grill pilled. We're not following politics because we're having families and smoking meat. And so that, that kind of old classical guard, the David Bowes libertarians, the Cato libertarians, they're not as active. The Mises folks are falling off membership is down by a third so who shows up right is it just people who are single issue voters who care about vaccines 
and not funding Ukraine. And that really, to me, is the appeal for Robert Kennedy Jr. It's not his policies. It's about feeling right and feeling vindicated on vaccines. And do you get enough of those people showing up to a convention that they're going to put in somebody that fundamentally disagrees with the non-aggression principle? And I think moving away from the non-aggression principle, of which I blame you wholeheartedly, I'm kidding, but I think that moving away from just the idea that we should be as close to not using force to advance social and political goals has been a net negative for the Libertarian Party because now they're advocating for someone that wants to put the Koch brothers in jail for disagreeing on climate issues the guys that literally built the libertarian movement and the libertarian party. Like, you couldn't be more polar opposite from the right-wing libertarianism of our age, and those guys who are more right-wing than we were are putting in a leftist. It it just... I think that's just too confusing and too messy. I don't know that it could happen. Now, you say, Chris, that you think that RFK Jr. would face a challenge, that it would be a struggle for him to get the nomination. Why? I just think he's too far away. I think the delegates prefer to play it safe, and they always have. And even the grassroots libertarians in the Mises caucus are not as radical as online folks. And I think this is something that the classical liberal caucus, the radical caucus, folks don't get. When you have conversations with people who are in the Mises caucus, who are just rank and file dudes— who just agree with their politics and like their style a little more than maybe the style that I brought to the table in 2010 and 12. Like, they're not fringe people, and they're really looking to advance liberty. And I think if you really scratch the surface, the biggest... I think you're seeing the fracturing now. The guy that is bringing him to the California convention, there's just a certain element of these guys that are looking to destroy the Libertarian Party. And then the rank and file want to build the Libertarian Party up. And I think you're going to see that fracture within even the Mises caucus start to really play out during convention season. And there be a backlash of people who, look, we've had enough of the Jeremy Kaufmans, right? They're the perennial defenders of Dave Smith and Angela McArdle. They're done with that guy, right? Because they're done with the bad messaging because they know it's reflecting poorly on them. And I think bringing in Robert Kennedy Jr. is just a a step too far. And there feels a little bit to me like the LP of California is trolling everybody with this. And that doesn't play well with rank and file regular folks in, in any caucus. What about the Dave Smith factor? You brought him up. People, he declined to run, but... I think he probably feels a little threatened by the possibility of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running. Do you think he jumps back in if RFK Jr. really looks at it? Dave Smith's legacy is on the line. He is the driver of the takeover. He is the driver of, and he claims it, he's bragged about it, and he's going to try and weasel out of it eventually, but his legacy is on the line. And if Dave Smith does not deliver in 2024 then it looks poorly. It reflects poorly on him. He's done a lot to bring new people to the table. Now, what does he do with those people? It's one thing to have a good first impression and to get people to explore, but how do you get people to buy in and then execute your vision? And that is, I think, something that we have seen not work out well for the Mises Caucus. And if you're Dave Smith, you may have agreements with Robert Kennedy Jr., But I think fundamentally, Dave Smith is a rock rib libertarian who understands the principles, who can articulate it well, 
and would look at somebody like Robert Kennedy Jr. with skepticism as the party's standard bearer. I, I think he would completely pollute the message that Dave Smith and Michael Heiss and the Mises Caucus has been trying to execute. Robert Kennedy is not Ron Paul. And Ron Paul, bringing Ron Paul's vision to the Libertarian Party was the point of all of this. So I've said on this show, like Dave Smith made the right decision not running, the personal cost to it, the time that it takes. I have never, I, I, I said this to Michael Rechtenwald, if running is harming your family and your job, you should not do it. It is not worth it. It is a thankless job. You will get no thank yous. You will get divorced. You will lose your job like very near past LP candidates have. And you will be a pariah, right? So what's the point of running, right? It's really a thankless job. But I think if you are in Dave Smith's position, you've got to execute your vision. Like his legacy is on the line. And if this takeover was all just for naught, then I think people are going to have a really hard time trusting the Mises caucus's leadership moving past 2024. The, the party will give them a chance this one time. But if you can't beat Gary Johnson's numbers like you promised to do, then you're going to have a hard time. And that's really hard now that y'all have messed up 50 state ballot access, which I don't think Robert Kennedy understands that the party's not going to get. Boy, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's just refresh for those who might just be tuning in. Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching the Wake Up America show. This is Chris Spangle from We Are Libertarians and the host of the Chris Spangle show joining us live. We're talking a little bit about some of the intrigue in the Libertarian Party nomination, specifically surrounding Robert F. Kennedy Jr. flirting with the possibility of trying to get on the Libertarian Party's ballot line so that he can get ballot access. Yeah, last I heard it was like 38 states, but possibly not the entire 50 states that RFK would want. But let's say, let's war game here for just a minute, Chris, and let's just say that the Libertarian Party decides that they need the name ID of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in order to raise money, in order to get media attention, in order to accomplish all the things that they want to accomplish this year to get to stay on the ballot and get in a lot of states if their presidential candidate gets a high enough percentage of the vote total that guarantees them ballot access, they may be willing to do a deal with the devil in order to ensure that, Chris. <laughs> so if that does happen and that scenario unfolds, what is the what, what do you see happening in a general election with RFK in, let's say, 38 states, including many of the battleground states, Trump versus Biden? Does he take more from one or the other? And then what happens to the LP? Your thoughts. Yeah, let's start with the LP. What you just outlined is exactly what all of these guys ran against. Gary Johnson ran against you and won and did okay in, was it 2012? And 2016, yeah. 20, yeah, and then in 2016 felt he needed more media and more money. So that's why he attached himself to Bill Weld, who had deep pockets, access to money, access to media, and was plugged into the DC network. And that is why I ran a Gary Johnson for President podcast feed. I posted about 20 interviews in 2012. In 2016, it was like 20 a week. And that exposure and that money is what drove them to record successes where eight states got ballot access for the first time, including Ohio. And it allowed hundreds of other candidates, including elected officials in Ohio, to win and that was always my argument that Gary Johnson was successful. But people in the Mises caucus and those involved in the takeover argued that's not good enough. We need principled libertarian. It's not about 
the pragmatism of winning and ballot access. We need to move away from spending party money on ballot access. We need to stop being pragmatic and start being principled. And if we're principled, then the magic of our ideas will just bring in all these new people. And now we're at the point where they lost a third of the membership and they're desperate. So they're going to somebody who is pragmatic. And this is a prediction that I I said in 2018. They will go pragmatic because that's the only way to operate a political party is to go for someone who has a lot of name ID because they failed for four years to build it. They're going after someone who is pragmatic but doesn't believe in libertarian ideas because they failed to secure someone who could do it. It is an absolute catastrophic failure of Mises' leadership over the last four years. And they should be ashamed of themselves and they should be apologizing and they need to do something to fix it before the convention or else this will be their legacy. And in terms of how RFK would play out in an election on a libertarian ballot, I don't think that he would get with Indiana, for instance, you are secured 32,000 guaranteed libertarian votes. You will automatically receive 32,000 libertarian votes. And if you're Don Rainwater running a pragmatic, classically liberal campaign for governor, you can build on that to get up to, you know, where he was winning second place in 32 counties for governor in 2020, right? Uh, You can build on that base. I think Robert Kennedy Jr. would see a ton of that base erode. Uh, I don't think that you'd see a lot of the libertarian base show up for him. I think you'd see a lot of new people move in from the right and the left. The thing about RFK Jr. is he's the perfect horseshoe candidate where he joins that when we were coming up in politics, it was the crazy lefties who were the anti-vaxxers who didn't wear aluminum deodorant and smelled funky, right? And now the prepper right-wing crowd has merged in with them and they're creating a new populist form of politics that is anti-war, which is good, anti-vaccine, questionable, and doesn't really know what to believe on fo- on domestic issues other than we're against it and we really have no other plan. And so I think Robert Kennedy's domestic plans, once he starts to speak to the libertarians and to the right-wingers, they will go, ooh, this guy is not who I expected. I am not for a third authoritarian option. And I don't think he is the salvation that they're hoping for. Would he get more than Mike Mirtot? Would he get more than Michael Rechtenwald? Would he get more than probably Dave Smith even? Yeah, I agree. But that's a Pyrrhic victory. And that's not what we were promised in the takeover. We were promised an absolute defeat of all the leftists in the party. There were 12 people who were libertarian socialists that showed up to that 2018 convention. And the whole Mises wing and Joshua Smith were arguing against these 12 people and how they were taking over the party. We need to find leftist infiltration. And then you're going to bring in Robert Kennedy Jr.? There's no way I'm voting for that. I'd vote for Dave Smith. I'd vote for Mike Meertot. I'd think about voting for Rechtenwald. But there's absolutely no way a, a grassroots, libertarian-affiliated person like me is going to vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. I'll set it out. I just won't vote. So is the best-case scenario then for the LP for Dave to recant and to come and to run? I think if Dave Smith were what we used to call a paper candidate, it'd still be better than nothing. Dave Smith has the broadcasting apparatus to run a campaign the way that Benjamin Harrison ran a campaign in the 1890s. 300,000 people showed up to Indianapolis to hear him speak on his front lawn, and he never left his house. And I think that is 
What what we learned from who's the lady that ran last time? Um, oh, Joe jo- Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen. Jorgensen killed herself on that bus tour. Destroyed so many pieces of her life doing a bus tour, and still people were. And, and first time a Libertarian Party candidate has come to Indiana, one of the strongest states in the entire network. We'd never gotten one of these candidates to come here, except for Gary Johnson a couple times, uh, which was a feat, a victory. That translated into nothing. It, it, it translated into a solid list that the Mises Caucus lost. <laughs> Right. And so I think if you're Dave Smith, you just go, look, I'm just going to podcast a presidency in a podcast. I'm going to set up a podcast feed. I'm going to buy a podium for 150 bucks on Amazon, set up a green screen, and I'm going to get a weekly speeches about what I'm going to do as president. I'm going to try and get into the debates and let the party, let the Mises caucus organize and whatever happens. And I think that would be a better campaign for the Libertarian Party because you've got someone who is gifted at messaging Versus somebody who doesn't believe in libertarianism finishing off the party because it will be it. Because classical liberals like me, the the project liberal guys have already said if twenty we don't win at the convention in twenty four, we're starting our own party. The Mises Caucus guys have been eroding lots of membership. Right. And they're not inspired and ready to go in twenty twenty four, which is what they've been building towards. They're gonna just vote for Trump. They're gonna leave the party. And then who's left? 14 people at the convention like it was 1982 again, right? Yeah, I think this is a big year for the Libertarian Party. I don't know how much of a future there is if the Mises Caucus doesn't execute well this year. Chris, the scenario that will unfold if the current trends continue, which is that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. might not seek the nomination of the Libertarian Party. Dave Smith says he won't run for president and then... At this point, we're left with Michael Rechtenwald, Josh Smith, all these people. What does that scenario uh, play out like? Similar to just Dave Smith, just a paper candidate, similar to Joe Jorgensen, or what plays out in that scenario? Because that's the most likely one right now if current trends continue. I think Chase Oliver is going to be the dark horse. I think you're going to see Chase Oliver sneak in, and people don't think that the classically liberal orthodox libertarians who ran the party for so long have enough votes to get chase oliver in there but i think there's some momentum building he had a pretty good week at uh, students for liberty conference he is traveling the country he has been in every libertarian party state that i've seen i think he could really surprise people i think rectonwald will fall apart i think personally there's just there's a lot going on there with Rechtenwald, and I think even the Mises caucus leadership is going, I don't know if, about this. Mirtot has been around. I don't know that he has the – he's like a Jorgensen choice to me, right? Where Chase Oliver did so well in that 2022 Georgia race and has campaign experience and has an experienced team and has a lot of data and has a lot of momentum, I think – you could see Chase Oliver squeak it through. It just depends on Mises people motivating people to show up to their convention versus everybody else, right? Conventions, it is just about who you get to sign up for a delegate. And like in Indiana, for instance, I hadn't been a Libertarian Party member for four or five years, and they convinced me to join just to help them to get more delegate spots. And Indiana has a ton of delegate spots because these anti-Mises caucus states we're organizing very hard to get more delegate spots 
And I don't know that there was that same organization in terms of driving delegates in the Mises crowd. So we'll see. I, but I think if that happens, you'll see Chase Oliver win the nomination. That's an interesting POV. And the, you're the only person who could answer that question like that. And I'm so glad I have your expertise here. But I did promise I would get you out by 830, which means I've only got a minute or two left with you, Chris. Sure. Uh, one last question. If Robert F. Kennedy Jr. does take the Libertarian Party's nomination and we're faced with that scenario, do you truly believe that he takes more from Trump or from Biden? Just straight out. What do you think? I think he's a pure third party candidate. And the thing that we've always found in every single survey, every single exit poll that I've ever seen here in Indiana, the Libertarian candidate polls one to two percent from each side. And then they activate 90 to 95% new voters. And the whole myth of it being a stolen vote with third parties doesn't bear out in data when you actually look into it. I've spent 15 years documenting this, as has Ballot Access, Ballot Access News. David Bose at the Cato Institute wrote an ebook and studied this. I think Robert Kennedy pulls evenly from Trump and Biden. And doesn't cost either one of them. But what I think he does is he says to millions of Americans, your voice is actually on the ballot, which is the whole point of democracy, not the duopoly, but democracy, is that there are 15 different visions of where America ought to go. I finally see mine on the ballot. I'm going to vote for that guy instead of just staying home and feeling disenfranchised and not making the effort to go vote. So... I don't know what those percentages are, maybe let's say 10 from each, but I think he pulls evenly. I think the anti-vaccine right and left, are that's the mobilization. And within the libertarians, it's unfair to lay Biden's loss at Robert Kennedy. You lay Biden's loss on Joe Biden. You lay Donald Trump's loss on Donald Trump. That's why Donald Trump lost 2020 to a geriatric. He didn't get beaten or have the vote stolen from him. He was a pathetic candidate like Joe Biden is. And it's on them. It's not on the third party candidate. Chris Spangle, your unique point of view is cherished. Thank you for being so generous with your time this morning. Where can people find out more about your work online and follow you? Go find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com and just search Chris Spangle in your podcast app and you'll find all of my shows. There you go, Chris Spengel. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I'm grateful for your unvarnished opinion on these things. Have a wonderful day. Love you, buddy. Thanks. Love you, too. That's Chris Spangle from We Are Liberty.